Let's do this. Let's do it. Episode eight. Episode eight. What's going on? How are you, TP? I'm good. How about yourself? You know, we're doing it. I'm, I'm day, loving another it. Another dollar. We're productive, baby. Nine fifty four. Supposed to start at ten, so. Yes, sir. What's going on? We love being early. Who we got today? You tell me. Justin Rabinowitz. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Chiropractor. All sorts of content. Strive to move. JR coaching. Ooh, and a mastermind. Crazy. I know it's gonna be sick. I I met Justin through Pratt, and um, I think it was Pratt, right? It was Pratt. And uh, shout out Pratt too. Um, we gotta get we gotta get them on the podcast as yeah, well. Yeah, we shot shot a few things. Shot a few things. Few things now. I'm excited. But welcome, guys. Let's Justin Rabinowitz. Watch your head, watch your head. <laughs> Boys, what's going on? What's going on, going on? Going on by yeah, the man? Yeah, you mic like all the way up. There? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Good job tighten that up for him. Good. Ooh, how's the go. frame, Benny? Actually, not bad. I'm envious of this setup. Thank Most you. of my podcasts are recorded in my bedroom or the second bedroom, mm-hmm. now the baby's room, and now you've got this whole thing. It's like, this is how it's supposed to be done. And honestly, you kind of like what, what inspired this too. I saw you putting out a lot of content. I'm like, we have the capabilities to do this. Like, why aren't we doing this on a consistent basis? Yeah. So uh, t- how did you get into, first, just being a chiropractor and just getting involved in the field? Yeah. So um, I always played sports. And basically, for me, it was either I was going to be a teacher and a coach mm-hmm. or go into some form of medicine. And then it's interesting. Now you see me go from just treating patients to running a business where I'm actually coaching other people. So I always knew some version of coaching. It just happened in a different way. Um, so it, it was just sort of that background. Most chiropractors, medical people had an experience as a as an athlete. You know, for me, hurt my back in high school. And I, I always liked the idea, even as a kid going to chiropractors, and I felt like they were running a business and they were in like the medical profession versus going to like, you know, the hospital or the white coat. It just felt very stuffy to me. Whereas as a chiropractor um, that I grew, when growing up, it felt like a nice, like this, an atmosphere you hang out, sit down, you felt better leaving. And it was a really nice place to, to go and, and people felt better. So that's how I got into it. Obviously, it's very different now, 20 years later than I thought it was going to be in a good way. And I've been able to sort of expand my own reach uh, with different avenues and pursue other things. But it was sort of that general progression and always sort of, we call it like skill stacking, mm-hmm. right? It's like we, I had one skill where I, I knew I was good in leadership and then I knew I could treat patients and then I knew I could lead others and then I knew I could build a team and then I knew I'd create content and then just keep adding and now now we're here. Why is it important to focus on like one skill at a time instead of trying to learn everything all at like one time? Yeah, it's a great question. It's something that I teach and coach a lot of people for, but actually here's an interesting one. So uh, I'm 36 and I feel like I'm kind of split in the middle of two generations. Mm-hmm. So the generation that's older than me almost hyper-focused, right? So if you think about it, most chiropractors, you drive down the street and you see, it's like they graduated school, they opened up their own practice, they hung up a shingle, and then 30 years later, they did okay, they did fine, but they never really grew the business. They were so Mm hyper-focused on just showing up and doing the thing every day, which is great, but there was no growth to that outside of once they got it established. Now, most of the people that I coach in my business are graduates of chiropractic school. They're 24 to 30, and they can't focus on anything. And so they want to build a practice and then they want to be a YouTube star and then they want to build Instagram and they want to be a trainer and they can't focus on anything. And so there's a happy medium to it. But you're, but the question is awesome because we call it um, when someone can't focus on one thing, it's a trait deficiency. Focus is a trait. And one of the things for me that I've been able to do is to focus on one thing and then see it through when it doesn't work, see it through. Cause I always knew where I was going to go. And, um, you know, right now, and I tell my coaching clients this, I don't really see patients anymore in the office. It's not because I don't like it. It's because I have another opportunity, another business opportunity where I'm coaching other chiropractors and I'm not good enough to do both well. And so I did that and I'm pretty good at it, but to give the respect to the new business that I need to, I have to make sure that that can sort of do its thing. Because as my mentor always told me, he's like, you're going to be mediocre at two things. And that's not really want to go. And kind of like, um, I've also heard, you know, Bezos and uh, Zuckerberg didn't get rich with a side hustle, (laughs) right? They had one thing that they were 
amazing at, and that sort of built their built their business. When did you know that you like you're you're at a chiropractor? When did you know you were like, oh, I need to scale this bigger than just me? Uh, I from day one, which was helpful, and and the reason why it was helpful, which a lot of people struggle with, is because they open their business and they just want to make money as fast as possible. And because of that, they take a lot of money out as soon as they make money. And as a business owner, right, it's kind of like, are you allowed to curse on here? Yeah, you're allowed to curse oh, yeah. on It's mental fuckery. Yeah. When, you're a, when you're an employee, you get a paycheck, you take the paycheck and do whatever you want with it. When you're a business owner, any money you take home can't be invest, invested back in the business. And so if you open a business and you make 10 grand and you take out 10 grand, like there's nothing to put back in the business. The best thing for me is I always knew I wanted to grow the thing. And so early on, I never felt tempted to pull money out, right? I was took what I needed and left it in and reinvested into this type of stuff, marketing, media, all these things, because I was investing in where I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. But I always had that vision in mind. So it was never painful, like when my friends had a business and they were doing all these different things with their family and buying a house. You know, I was like, that's not where I'm going. And even though there was peer pressure and family pressure and all that, it's like I knew where I wanted to go. And so it was just kind of tunnel vision there and being comfortable with that. Where do you think that that vision came from? Um, I think the first thing goes back to who I am as a person. I always knew, you know, I was I was an athlete and going back to like the coaching thing, mm-hmm. I always knew I thrived in a team environment. The problem is when you start a business, it's you, 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 and you. And I knew that I had to get beyond that point to get in an op- uh, environment that I was going to thrive. And so that it was going to be a team. The difference when you're an entrepreneur is that you have to build the team versus going to work for what Home Depot and you're an executive and you have a team underneath you. When you're a business owner, you've got to create the team. And so I always knew that was going to be where I would thrive. And, you know, it's like it's okay to do stuff alone, but it's more fun to go with other people, especially good people. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I I grew up playing sports and being a part of a team. There's honestly nothing like it, like that camaraderie you have with other people coaching each other up at times if you are that type of person. But speaking on like being an entrepreneur, like when we both started, you're just on your own by yourself wondering, like, am I ever going to make alongside anyone ever (laughs) again? Exactly. Are you going to make it? And then but it is sort of pushing through that time alone to get to the point of now I feel like I have a a team of people that I can, yeah. we can all coach each other and, and be a part of the team. Yeah, And it just makes you better at the end of the day. Exactly. Yeah. Do you remember hiring your first employee? Uh, yeah, so the first person I hired was my mom. She worked with me for like <laughs> a year and a half, which was great. I mean, she, you know, I didn't pay her. She just helped out because I was her son. Yeah. Um, but we both knew like it was going to be short term. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. going to be her. She was a teacher for a long time and she's retired. So mm-hmm. it was just like helping her son out. Um, but yeah, and I think in 2018, 2018. So I opened my practice in 2015. It's 17 or 18. I forget. Uh, I hired Lauren, who was like an admin, do everything. She was like her her kids had graduated school. They were older. She was looking to get back in the workforce, and she was just looking for like 10 hours a week. Well, now she's 40 hours a week. She's our director of sales, and she's been with me since uh, since I really kind of got it going. Um, you know, one of the things for now that I've hung my hat on, and it won't always be this way. But I've never lost an employee. So we've got anywhere between tw- 10 to 14 people, interns and in different businesses. And we've never lost an employee wow. in our business so far. Um, and it will happen. It's a natural progression. But I think be- one of my jobs as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, is if I have good people, is to continually find good opportunities for them. And sort of the genesis of the coaching program is now some of the people that I have are able to step up and grow their role in that business um, beyond what they ever could have done in just, you know, our small private practice. And that's very exciting for me to always kind of looking for opportunity for people. You know, I have an intern right now, Kaylee. She's the one that does a lot of my social media. She's fantastic. She's a chiropractor. And she said to me the other day, um, she said, I'd be afraid if I came and worked here that I would almost get too comfortable. And I said to her, I said, I promise you I won't let that happen. I'm not going to let that happen to you. Like if I think that you need to go and do a, do your thing, I'll probably want to do it with you. But like I, unless you just want to be comfortable, I won't let you get comfortable. And that's part of like leading people of you seeing, like, hey, you want to be comfortable? Fine. But I might have to push you to grow a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you look for in like your first employee and like what and how did that transition to like how um, she's doing now? Yeah. Um, first one, you don't know what the hell you're doing. 
right? I was looking for a, a breathing person that smiled, which she was. Like, I didn't know, right? Yeah. Um, but the best advice I ever got on hiring was you just have to get that person to believe in you, right? If that person believes in you, the rest of it's going to be fine. Um, that And that was the most important part of it, right? And so there were times in the beginning that, you know, I had to like, we were doing training, doing this. She's like, this is crazy. We got this little office and I would talk about this vision that I had. And she didn't say it, but I knew she's like, this guy's out of his mind. <laughs> but I think inherently deep down, she's like, all right, this guy's got something. I don't know if it's ever going to work out, but inherently she believed in me. And the thing that that did was then when I brought the next level of employees on, I brought two more on like a year later. It wasn't me that had to like do the culture and spew all of it. She did. And so that's to get that sort of trickle down effect. And, you know, one of the things we think about in like the organization is how to drive the culture and accountability as far down the org chart as we can. So if our interns are accountable, like we're going to be doing really well. Mm -hmm. And so Lauren was the person that did that for me, started with her believing in me. And then second, she kind of like preach the gospel, so to speak, mm -hmm. to the next. This is just how we do it. This is how this works. And you're either going to be in or you're going to be out. Right. Damn. And I feel like that's kind of what you're doing with Benny. Kind of, yeah. I like, as uh, honestly, speak, like yeah. every, every, it, it's just resonating so much with me just personally. Yeah, everything you've been saying, really, it, even though we're in two completely different worlds, we're not, though. It, yeah. It's, that's the it's point. still part mm -hmm. of, yeah, yeah, growing a business. Yeah. Like that it, it's really crazy. Yeah. I mean, most of it's very, it, almost all of it's very similar, yeah. right? So my dad, for like 50 years over in Greenbrook, owned a bridal gown store mm -hmm. and he just retired during COVID. Um, literally, his business outside of just his, different than mine, he has to have inventory because you have to have bridal gown dresses. Yeah. Other than that, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's managing people, it's selling, yeah. it's managing finance. Um, and he was at, he was at our first event that you were at and he, he was like, where were you when I was building my business? <laughs> Cause it's a lot of it is very similar, but it's funny. I always said Lauren, who was my first sales or admin that does the sales. I always think about if she worked for my dad on the floor, she would have crushed it. Right. Yeah. Cause it's, it's relationships with people, making them feel good, asking good questions. Like, yeah. you know, my grandma was 102. She's still alive. She was the original, like, sales genius, right? This little lady's coming, make you feel good about yourself. Women getting their wedding dress. And it's like, everyone wanted to be around grandma. Yeah. Everyone wanted to be around Lee. And she was a killer on this, on the floor selling wedding dresses. Damn. So you do strive to move. Yep. And JR coaching. Can you kind of walk us through both of those? Real yeah. Quick? Yeah. So I have, so in 2015, I opened my own practice, strive to move, which we use a rehab chiropractic practice. And essentially we help our, our, most of our patients are people that have either failed at traditional PT or Cairo. And so it's like literally the people that we work with, they've done the traditional Cairo, they've done all that and they haven't had a good experience. They haven't gotten the results. They don't want to get surgery. And so we sort of over index on all of the things that most of us in the medical, like we get frustrated. Like you go to the doctor, they spend three minutes with you. They don't really care. They don't listen. Right. We spend, we spend like two hours with a patient before we ever treat them getting their story, listening to them, where have they been? How can we help them? And so, you know, our appointments are an hour long, one-on-one, -on -one, which again, that doesn't happen in, in, you know, medicine anymore. You're lucky if you see the first, if you see a patient for 30 seconds. I used to work at, um, when I was in chiropractic school, I was an intern and we used to treat some of the St. John's athletes and the trainer and the athlete came in one day and the guy, the trainer said, I, we went to HSS, Hospital for Cecil Surgery. He's like, I had my stopwatch out. The doctor was in there like 93 seconds. <laughs> oh, and so like that's that, uh, so that's sort of built on, that business is built on treating people that failed the other system. Not everyone fails. Some people go to the other place and do great and, and that's fine and God, God bless them. But for us, we sort of focus on that. We also have another location in Springfield called Adjust Your Performance, which um, essentially as I was growing the business, I saw that like what we were doing was good and sort of reproducible. And I found a partner, Allison Heffron, who wanted to run her own practice, but she wasn't sort of confident in the business side and the leadership and want to get going. And so essentially I invested money and, and helped her build it. And she actually uses some of our staff and our marketing. And so that practice essentially runs like, you don't know that I exist mm -hmm. theoretically mm -hmm. and she sort of runs it. And so that was another, and that, that happened in, in 2020 and that, 
when we were able to do that practice, it gave me the confidence to do the thing, the next thing, which was the coaching, because I, I realized that it wasn't just me that was able to do this. I could teach it to our team at Strive, and then I could teach our systems to adjust your performance. And that's when I started getting into the coaching. And, and the coaching that I do, um, so just to give a 30 seconds so I don't put people to sleep, um, in chiropractic, generally speaking, there are business coaches those coaches are generally geared towards the traditional Cairo. You lay on the table, you adjust your back, and you see you later, you're there in for two minutes. A lot of people coming out are more like me, are more like people that you would resonate with that want to spend more time with the patient, that want to do exercise, that might have a fitness background, and they sort of live in this world of combining things. Mm. The problem is they don't know how to run a business. And so some of them, unfortunately, end up out of the profession they're broke, right? Because they just don't have the business structure. And, you know, when you're in chiropractic school, so many people get frustrated because they don't learn how to run a business. But we're one of the few, if you think about it, one of the few like true medical professions where the only way you're going to be successful is to be an entrepreneur. Mm. Like if you're a medical doctor or a surgeon, you go work for a hospital system, you make good money, but you're an employee. Mm chiropractors, it's one of the few, like acupuncture actually, right? You guys saw it down here is similar. There, you have to be business owners yeah. in order to be successful. And so where I've sort of found my niche is teaching chiropractors who want to practice a certain way, spend more time with people um, that want to do exercise and rehab, uh, but just don't have that other side of it, the business side of it. Very similar to, I'm sure you're like, we're very similar in, in the thing. What's the thing? Ours happens to be like chiropractic and, and rehab. Yours is video editing, production, that type of thing. But that skill, which I didn't realize, is obviously very different. Being a content creator and being a business owner and running a business, a lot of times they're actually diametrically opposed, right? I'm sure you guys see people in your world that are like very creative types, like they're very, they're awesome at the thing, but it's like if they business. have to look at a spreadsheet, God bless America. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be bad. And we have the same thing in medicine. Doctors oftentimes are not the business type. They don't like the numbers. They want to treat, they go to school to treat a patient. Like you guys get into video because you like content creation, mm -hmm. but all of the other things in the business in order to make it thrive have to have to run as well. It really reminds me of what like Alex Hermosi was doing with like Jim Launch. Yeah. Kind of like the similar structure where he was like teaching gym owners like yeah. the business side and like yeah. the marketing side. And we've, we've thought of that. So he does what's called like a licensing model where he essentially what we did with Adjust Your Performance was a mini version of that. It's like, here's the system. Um, it's essentially done for you versus like we teach you how to do it. So essentially it's DIY versus done for you. Mm. Right now our coaching program is, DIY, is, is done with you. Mm. We tell you what to do and you go execute. And there, and I've thought about that type of model where essentially you do a licensing model and they just give you everything mm -hmm. and you put it into place. So mm -hmm. yeah, very, very similar. Damn. When did you know you had to, uh, so you, you got everything covered in your business. When did you know you had to start investing in marketing? Um, before I started, oh, you know, wow. I think it's interesting. Um, marketing and sales sort of go together, like at the top of funnel, getting people to know you exist and then getting them across the line. That's sort of like the, that's the essence of any business. Um, what's interesting in my world is that, um, 99% of people that come to me that have business struggles and I ask them what their problem is. They tell me that they have a marketing problem. And what I often find is they need to improve their marketing, but they don't have a good system or process and, and order, the machine doesn't work. Mm -hmm. They don't charge enough money. They don't know how to get people across the line. They don't have a, a whatever recurring revenue model. And so even if their marketing improved, their sales and conversion and back end isn't good, is, isn't good enough to make up for it now. But long term, the essence of any business, again, is can you get customers? Can you get customers? Can you get customers, right? But my thing is always like, can we get them, but can we maximize them, right? Can we give them a high-level service? But, you know, in, in my world, so my mentor in, like, healthcare is one of the best marketers I've ever I've ever met. He's significantly better than me. I mean, that's the world he lives in. So, I, I mean, I, I want to be half the, the marketer that he is. He's a marketing genius. But, I mean, the lifeblood of any company, and we were talking about this yesterday with um, – 
with one of somebody in my group who's a who's a physical therapist, and he was basically saying to your point, like unless you're until you're like five million dollars, no problem in your business is not marketing and sales. <laughs> you can't avoid it, right? You've got to always be able to get people in. And again, it doesn't matter if you're doing your career, mm-hmm. a bridal gown, chiropractor, coaching, like the lifeblood of the business is going to be the marketing and the sales piece of it. Yeah. So you really have to establish sales first before even start starting to think about marketing. I mean, I think we always say to get it off the ground, right? And again, depending on the business, you got to get people in the door. So how are you going to do that? Awareness is marketing, right? Mm-hmm. You're always sort of doing that. What I find is sometimes, and this might resonate with your audience, what I find with business owners often is like in my world, it'll be there about two years in business. So they have it established, like they've done enough marketing, just getting out there in the community and they sort of get stuck and they get stuck and they think it's just, oh, I need to do more marketing. But when you look at the in, inner workings of the business, that the structure of it doesn't work. Like they don't, they're not charging the right prices. They're either understaffed or overstaffed. They don't understand the finance of it all. So they don't have the structure there. But like if I was starting a business tomorrow, I don't, I can't manage finance until I have people paying. <laughs> yeah. How do you get people to pay you? You have top of funnel, yeah. right? And so I think you can fix a lot and to get going, it, it's always going to be making sure that you have a, a marketing plan. Mm-hmm. To answer your question though, even more specifically, one of the things that we think about that same thing in your business, if we were to go on that whiteboard right now and draw an org chart, right? You have four departments. Doesn't matter if you're like like GE or you're strive to move. Mm-hmm. You have a marketing department, a sales department, an operations department, and a finance department. What I find is that almost every small business owner, they get caught in doing the thing almost the majority of the time. And the problem is to marketing is that if, you, if I said, all right, who's in charge of marketing? The answer is, well, I am. And it's like, well, when do you do it? when I have time. (laughs) And a bad business strategy, a bad marketing plan is to only do it when you have time. You know what I mean? And so it'd be like in your guys' world, if you were just editing videos and producing content and doing all that, but like, who's the one going out to get business, right? Who's spending the time to do it, right? Mm -hmm. And so we say in that capacity, it's like, if I looked at your calendar, I would know what your priority is. What am I doing today from 12 to two? Uh, We're editing video, great. Who's what? Where is it in your calendar that you're going to go find business? That's marketing. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's always like I always say, respect the org chart, right? Doesn't matter what you're in. You got same thing. If I came in here and you were like, help me with the business, I would say, well, sh- who's working here? Show me your calendar. Yeah. Right? Who's in charge of this? Right? And who who would we say is the one that's that's building the relationships? That's whether creating the content, replying to DMs, the one that's building the top of the funnel. And so. As the business grows and matures, I think it's it's thinking about that, like who who is the one doing it, what time is dedicated to doing it, because before we worry about strategy, right? Before we worry about the strategy of it all, it's like, do we even spend the time doing it? Yeah. Most people in our world say they're not good at marketing, but when you actually look at it, they just don't do it. Or <laughs> <laughs> haven't tried doing it. Exactly. Yeah. Or or it's like I look at guys like you as experts in what you do compared to like where I am. I, I know nothing. Mm. But in my world, people will like they're chiropractors. They've spent 10 years learning their craft and then they do marketing or they try to do videos or social media for like four months. Like, oh, I'm not good at it. It's like, well, no, you just haven't done it. Like, that's why people like you exist because you guys are good at your craft. That would be like you coming to my office and treating patients (laughs) and everyone's still being in pain. You're like, I'm not good at this. Well, it's like, no shit, Sherlock. Of course, you never did it before. Can you talk about when you first started getting on video? Like, how did how did it feel? Like, were you nervous putting out your first video or? No, it's, uh, I don't know why, um, I'm, I, I'm actually very introverted by nature. Um, but I've also never had a fear of being on video or podcast. It's always come relatively natural for me. Again, I don't know if it's going back to the sports background, like being the captain of the team and all of that. Um, and the other part too, that, that I've found very valuable is like, like when this podcast comes out, I'll go back and, and I'll listen and watch almost like post-game, hearing myself, where could I have communicated a little better, where most people will cringe, mm-hmm. right? I think the nice thing about social media, digital stuff, is that, in unfortunately, in two hours, no one's going to remember <laughs> it anyway. And so I think that one of the best ways to get over the fear is to actually, if someone is scared out there, is to... <laughs> unfor- 
problem is nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. Like no one cares. And so if you make a bad video in three seconds, they're scrolling to something else. Yeah. Exactly. And so for most of us, I think if we can just for one second, get out of our own head and realize that the only one that actually cares how this is, is us. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, we really don't matter specifically in marketing and sales. Like it's about the consumer. And so if I put stuff out and I think I look like shit, it's completely irrelevant because it matters what the end user is. And yeah. so, you know, I think that I know a lot of people are fearful and scared of it. And I know Hormozzi always says like outwork your self doubt, which I think is great. Like if you don't believe in something or you are not good at something, you know, courage is being scared and doing it anyway. And sometimes getting on video or getting hearing your voice is courageous to do it because if you're out there and you struggle with it, um, it's it's a great, it's an unbelievable skill to have in in any aspect of life. Yeah, I remember sitting around and always thinking like watching. I was like watching your videos before I really came on. Like, oh, I'd love to be that type of business guy that got in front of the camera and talked to, talked to the people. But it was always like, that's not me though. And yeah. I feel like the people know that's not me. And it's like breaking that barrier of what's normal to everyone, and then like creating the new normal. Yeah. So now the new normal for me is, he goes away. I'll hop in front of the camera and yeah. do everything. Put something out. Yeah. And put something out in in this in the same way. And for it to now it's more comfortable for me. And it's just. Getting, just pushing yourself, getting in those uncomfortable situations and realizing it can be comfortable. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, I've drawn so many lessons from owning a business and I always say, today, I've never done the thing I'm about to do today. Every day, like there's something new every day, mm -hmm. right? And so I use this, we had, a, uh, we had our first child um, three weeks ago and the first day I'm holding the baby and it could be like, holy shit, what am I doing? But I thought about it like, all right, like, I thought that way about business, <laughs> right? I, I don't yeah, know. Like yeah. you get a new patient case or you, you start this new venture and you're like, what do I charge? All these crazy things. What do I say on camera? And it's the same thing. It's like, I'm scared. I'm nervous, but guess what? I'm going to do it anyway. And I'm going to figure it out. And that's, yeah. that's like a, it's, it's a lesson that I teach my team. It's a lesson. Cause, and so, and again, see how far you can pass that down. Mm. When I first started and we got our team members on board, there was always like, if we're doing something new, they're scared. They're not, and they don't do it. And they step back and it happens too slow. But now it's like, they know that for me, we always say like, just fucking go, like, just fucking go. You literally can't fuck this up. Unless you're reckless, like unless you like show up on a Zoom call naked <laughs> or like tell a customer to go F themselves yeah. outside of that, you cannot screw this up. Right. And so we that's the culture that we have. So many times I think people like get stuck because they're just afraid of what's going to happen. That could be bad. And they just project out and then they never actually get started because of it. But when you actually start to like take a step back and lay out what's the downside of this? Like you're going to feel stupid. Someone's going to laugh at you. And then what? In like a three weeks, you're good. Every, no one's going to care. Everyone's going to forget about it. And so when you start to like lay those things out and start to think about it, it's like, all right, like this is not that big of a deal. It's not that important. Yeah. So you started creating content on your own. At what point did you realize that we, we've done some work together? Yeah. At what point did you realize it was time to bring on outside? I actually... Created content very early on my own, and I actually had interns, uh, like high school kids, that would just sort of like put it out there. Because to your point, question before, I was always, I would, I had no problem do making the content, but I was very well aware that I didn't want to do the editing, I didn't want to do any of that. Um, and I think, so I, I did that sort of day one, mm -hmm. so to speak. And I think um, as I've sort of grown. I think that I've continually reinvested as just a part of our marketing budget to get some of these things, some of these things done with people like you guys, professionals that, um, that I kind of talk about it like this, whether it's hiring someone like you or investing in a business course or hiring someone like me as a coach, what I realized as I've matured as a business owner is I stopped fighting with myself. Like there are people out there that could use your services. I should talk to them. I should use it, but I don't want to spend the money. And they're just like arguing with themselves mm -hmm. and almost without fail. Like once they do it, they're like, I wish I would have done this sooner. <laughs> and I think one of the growth pieces for me that maybe I could like help the audience think about is if you're at that place, just it, just do it. And again, think of the downside. Like what's the downside? You spend a couple thousand bucks and it doesn't work. Okay, like if you're a decent business owner, like in a six months, it's not you're not going to worry about it. And so I think for people that are considering whatever service it is, your guy's service, it's the only way you're going to know 
is to test, right? Marketing is always a test. Yeah. And so if you have a theory that you guys could help to like do something, some version of business with, with a client that like the best thing is to do is, is to do it, yeah. right? To do it, have a plan and, and, and go from there. The other thing that I'll say um, is if you're a business owner and you, whatever, you own a, a coffee shop, right? The, the value as an entrepreneur, you only have two assets, time and money. And so if you're sitting on your computer for six hours a night editing videos where you could hire professionals to do it for you, essentially what you've said is I'm trading money for time, time for money. I'm going to spend the time because I don't want to spend the money. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it, if you're going to grow your business as an entrepreneur, essentially what you have to be able to do is pay people to do something that you could have done so that you could continue to do higher level, higher leverage activities. But if you're literally for four hours, if I go home today and I edit videos that you guys could have done and I spend four hours doing that, like I, I'm never going to progress in the business. Mm -hmm. I'm doing, you know, you could even go down whatever level of, if admin work. Like if you're the business owner doing admin work, like you're doing work that isn't growth work. You can hire someone to do that work. And so like in your guys' situation, I would, t I would tell a business owner considering it, like if you want your business to grow, your hourly rate has to continue to go up. You continually have to do higher leverage work mm -hmm. and give away things to experts that not only will do it faster, but will actually do it better than you could. Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of business owners have trouble letting go of, of that. Because for me, especially, I remember at first I was like, damn, someone else is going to edit my own videos. I was like, and then I hired the person and... And it just, it, it saves so much time and like, and then you grow with the person too. And it's, it's just like a whole, a whole thing. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of the nuance of being an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's, um, it's, it's not just like hiring someone to edit your video. It's, it's having someone that can sort of tell your story. It's understanding leverage in your business. It's understanding, you know, where your expertise is. And I think it's like the further you go in business, the more you realize that you don't know anything. You're very good at like very, a very small amount of things. And you continually bring people in or hire people from the outside that could be experts in the thing, so to speak, like in your guy's situation, videos, editing, that type of thing. Like I could bring some, I could, I could get a camera and do it, but it's not going to go well, very well, mm -hmm. right? Do you have any, do you have any uh, tips on letting go? Because I know a lot of people say, oh, it's not, they're not going to get the same customer service or anything like that. But do you have any tips for that? Um, like as a, like when you start to buy. Yeah, like hire out. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I feel like that's kind of what's stopping people from scaling, I right? Think, I think a lot of it, unfortunately, and, and people will never admit this, this is like where Justin has hard conversations. The reality of it, it's ego. Yeah. It's funny, my father-in-law, who owns a carpeting flooring business, um, he, so I said I don't treat patients much at my practice anymore because I'm doing the other business. And he said to me a couple of weeks ago, like joking, he's like, when, when's the last time you're in the office? I was like, oh, like a week and a half ago. And, uh, and he's like laughing. He's like, not many people could do that. And I'm like, why? Right? <laughs> and, um, and he was like, because no, most people don't want to give up control. Right. They don't want to give control up of, of the thing. And it's and I think a lot of a lot of times that's tied up in ego. The thing that I've done and I a mindset shift that could be useful is we all have ego. That's healthy for me. I have ego tied up in the idea that I have brought people on, trained them and they are part of my team that can go and deliver the customer service and the treatment and the whatever at at least a high the level that I am, if not higher. So my ego is tied up on having other people that have that we've kind of brought to that. Like there's nothing that makes me happier when I watch like Lauren get on sales calls or Hannah do marketing where they like I worked with them and they've been with me for three, four, five years. Like that's the, the most gratifying thing ever. And when people um, they're like Hannah's great or Ashton's great or whoever Lauren's great, it's like that that's what makes me feel good. Right. Because those are people that came in. They didn't know if they no offense to them. They would admit it. They didn't know shit. And we trained them up and we worked with them and we hired help and we did all these things. And now it's like, holy shit, three, four or five years later, they're incredible members of our team. And, and they they are, you know, they, they've progressed so much. How are you staying so consistent? Because you're putting how many, how many pieces of content are you putting out a day? Uh, I mean, we we've increased it. So the content is interesting because I brought on Kaylee, who is a chiropractic intern, but she has a really good 
um, Instagram knowledge. She's, I, I don't even know how she learned it, but she's very interested in it. So she's learned it. And the thing that she brought to my attention, which helped me, because I always struggled with Instagram because I don't like things that I can't measure. Like I want to see progress or lack of progress. Mm-hmm. One of the things in our business that we are very strong on is, is we call them KPIs, yeah. key performance indicators, what numbers and metrics. And so I don't just like putting out tons of content to put out tons of content. So I like Gary V stuff. Gary, he's great, but it's like just put out content. And it was always hard for me because I wanted to see if it was resonating or not. And the thing she did specifically on Instagram was she's very good with the metrics. And so she could show me very much what was happening. And so I'll tell you what happened. So she started, she had this idea with Instagram. So we started to put like one post out of, I think five a week. And very quickly, and you could even scroll back a couple months to see when it changed because she started taking over. Within three weeks, we saw an enormous jump, right? And so then strategically, we sat down and said, like, all right, what's the next move? We can go scale this on another platform, TikTok, whatever. Um, We can continue to do what we're doing. Or we can just do more of what we're doing now because it seems to be working. So for me, it was, let's just do more of what we're doing. And so that meant going from five to like 14, which meant two pieces of content a day. And so the way, at le- and that's not including the Instagram stories that I do. Mm-hmm. The, the stories that, the way that we did it, like literally this Wednesday, 6.30 to 9.30 at night, I just got on camera like this and just, I just talk mm-hmm. for like three hours. She has it all and then she goes and does her thing. But the way that we do it is if you look at my social media, I do, I do one post and she does one post every single day. And that's our that's our accountability and that's our KPI. And so um, that's the the 14 pieces of content a week, two per day specifically on Instagram is sort of the rhythm that we've fallen into. And then basically what we do is we every 30 to 40 days, we look to see, is it still growing as it plateaued? Where do we need to go? And then we'll sort of re-strategize from there. How long does it take to like produce all this content? Uh like to actually get on video and yeah, exactly. talk or yeah. for her to just do like the whole, does. the whole, the whole, I don't know, honestly, and this is where delegation is like, I'm very well aware that, that I don't, I don't have the expertise she does. Mm. So I get on, literally it was three hours of get on camera and then she takes it and goes and does her thing. Now in the beginning, she didn't know my voice and she wasn't great with copywriting. So like the captions I helped her with very, she's, she's very smart you go and look now, you can see she's sort of figuring it out. But that's also the control thing of like, like she's very smart. Like go have fun. If you need help, I'm here, but what, what, this can't go wrong. <laughs> right. And so I don't even know how long it takes her to make a real at night. Cause I have no involvement in it. We just, my leadership of that is like, Kaylee, you're responsible for one post a day. I don't need to hear from you theoretically, unless like you can't do it. And that's the only time we need to do it. It's like, go, you. that's what we're agreed to, spit and handshake and go have fun. Do you guys have a specific like content calendar like on a on Mondays or Tuesdays? No, we don't. What One of the things that um, we try to do between our podcast and our reels and our different content is now that we have some, and again, this is Marketing 101, is that now we go and try to look at headlines, we try to look at what resonated, and then we try to take that and sort of reproduce it in other formats. So as I give you an example, we found for whatever reason, podcast headlines and reels that seemed to work well were ones about numbers and money. So like our best performing reel was something about taking out a $50,000 loan. And then the recent podcast I put out is, is said how I lost $185,000. So for whatever reason that seems to resonate with people of that, like, so we're, we we're that we're aware of that and we try to take that and now create more content in a similar fashion. Mm-hmm. The other thing that we've found that resonates with our audience is like me being very high energy, close to the camera, like very punchy, mm-hmm. do that. Those seem to do better than me sort of sitting back. So now that we've created some, and this is where I think, this is why just getting started matters because 
the only way to figure out what's resonating with your audience is by creating and then having a set of metrics and then looking at it and then deciding on like, all right, this was good. This seemed to work. Are there any common themes that we can see here that our audience wants to see? Right. And then we take that and our, and then we just continually refine. We, we use that in our, in our practice too. Like we talk about who our perfect customer is, like who is it that we want to help in our practice? And the longer that we do it, the more that we can refine and get very specific with who that person is. And then what we can do is our marketing message will be very specific to that person. Yeah. You have to like hyper niche down into these avatars to, yeah. to really just make the sale. Yeah. And so like in your situation, I know you guys do a few different things, um, but if, if I'm you guys and let's say we want to go to people like me, small business owners that are either creating content, either want to get better or don't have a plan. Now I'm, I'm speaking in a way on social or I'm creating content around it about the problems that someone like me would face and then you guys could solve, right? And, and essentially at the end of the day, we're, we're all just going to be in the game of what problem can we solve for a customer? And the better we can do that, the more successful our business is going to be. Do you ever do you ever run out of ideas? Um, it, it's it, it actually goes back to the the Gary Vee thing of document don't create. Yeah, because I'm not like thinking of new stuff. When you hear my podcast, when you see me talk on social, I'm literally just speaking about my experience, right, and what's going on. The reason why my coaching business has grown it like way like like way faster than I ever thought it would than what I projected is because when I get on a podcast or when I get on social media, I'm not making anything up. I just speak about what happens and it resonates with my audience because I'm them. And so like day to day, it's like, all right, this person wanted their money back. It's like, let's talk about that. I made this bad decision in the business. Let's talk about that. Like we've hired an employee. Let's talk about, you know what I mean? And so it's, it's literally just like, Anything you, anything you hear from me, anything you see on my social, if you see me go on a rant on my Instagram stories, it's like someone must have done something to piss him off that that <laughs> happened because he's going to talk about it. So it's not it's not like I'm making stuff up. Yeah, I, f I feel like that's what can stop people from even creating content in the first place is that feeling of having to become a different person. Yeah. And mm -hmm. feel like I can't just be myself because people don't want that. Yeah. But I think having that vulnerability of like, I go through the same problems that a lot of other businesses go through. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah. talk about it. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, we live in a world where people resonate with bad stuff. Go watch the news. Mm -hmm. It's it's a weird, but like, I, the reason I was very strategic in the title of my podcast, it was called How I Lost $185,000. We just, it's, some of it's ingrained in us as humans. Like, Back in the day, it was the lions chasing me, let me run. It's a survival mechanism. We are just drawn to car crashes, mm -hmm. right? We, we like the negativity. And, and so being vulnerable and talking about some of the not good stuff, right? People, on, like good or bad, they resonate with it. They can see themselves in it. And so, you know, when I, when I coach other chiropractors, I'm very aware of, like, I have to be in a position where I'm very positive because a lot of them live in a world that's very shitty, unfortunately. But at the same time, I also am not bashful about like the things that we haven't done so well and that we are working on. The difference, the difference that I'll say about our organization is that like if we have a problem, we are going to try to solve it. Whereas so many people, they just have a problem and they just sit there and it's like, oh, all right. Like it's just, it is what it is. <laughs> Economy, recession. It's like they just sort of live in that world. We recognize that there is an issue and a problem and then we try to fight it and go and go after it. Yeah, totally. Um, what, who, who is, um, so who are some of the content creators you're watching now? Who are you pulling inspiration from? I mean, Hormozy has been, I, I, I like his stuff. Obviously him coming from the gym world, um, similar type of, of clientele. He's in a, like that sort of same realm that I'm in. So he's one that I've definitely watched a lot. And I think he does a good job. His wife, Layla, mm -hmm. she does a great job too. And it's an interesting combo if you look at it because she's like the operator. So she has a lot of that, the, the, um, the operations and the finance and the hiring stuff, which is very helpful for me. And then he is like the, so it's funny. He's the guy that you can tell makes the mess and she's the one that cleans <laughs> it up, which is why they're successful. And it actually is, is interesting as you, it resonates with me from a business partnership standpoint because they're very different, which makes their business so successful because it works. You don't have, if you had two of him, it would be a disaster. You're the yin right? and the yang. The yin and the yang, yeah. absolutely. So, so he's the one that comes to mind very quickly. Obviously early on, 
uh, Gary V, like when he was putting out content, I thought of his stuff was resonated. Obviously, he's a local guy, which is cool. And, you know, I think more than anything, going back to like the, the consistency that, that he has, I think is really good. I actually learn a lot, believe it or not. People, people compliment me on my podcast for how I do it. I was just talking to the microphone. Um, since I was a little kid, actually, I was talking about it with someone at the gym this morning. My dad always listened to like sports talk radio. My mom listened to like whatever she listened, W, I don't even know what it was. But I've, I've just grew up listening to like talk radio. And I, I listened to a ton of podcasts, sports podcasts. It's just what I, I was listening to a football podcast. So there's a guy, Colin Coward, who's probably the best like yep. sports commentator. And so... Like I listen to how he does things. And one of the things that resonates with me and why I think he's popular is because he'll take something in sports and then he'll speak about it in a way and have a unique take on it where he'll relate like like uh, Baker Mayfield not being a team player to how it works in like an organization. And so he, he sort of connects the dots for people. And so that resonates with me. And so when you hear me speak about in my podcast, like you'll hear me try to do that. Something else very tactically that I learned in, in from listening to podcasts like him and interviews is um, like very, very short intros, if not, if no, like no intros. And so like just to get in conversation like we got, mm -hmm. like I, I've been on podcasts before. It's like, oh, take a minute to introduce yourself. It's like, snore, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I, I learned that. It, I learned that from that. And so if I'm going to do an intro, I won't do it with the person. I'll do it after by myself, right? Yeah. But just little tips and tricks like that where um, I, I feel like I learn a lot. I always say work when you're not working. I learn so much, right? I learn so much from observing others. I, I observe, like, you, you guys both own, who owns a company? He owns a company. Mm -hmm. I know that you're good at what you do by when his he shows up with his team and how it works. On time, efficient, they get people in and out. There's no bullshit, right? I know enough by just watching. Yeah. So I know you know what the hell's going on. And so I can see that. So I'm learning from watching you do mm -hmm. it, right? And so I watch the content you guys put out, right? I see what you're doing because that's a world that I don't understand. And so inspiration for me comes anywhere. Customer service. I'll give you a, a bad example. Bef years ago, I, I got married in 2018. So 2017, my wife and I started looking for rings, doing the thing. Uh, we went to an unnamed jewelry shop in Bridgewater. We walk in and it was sort of busy, but whatever. Like we're there and I'm looking. It was like seven minutes before somebody even addressed <laughs> us there. Like they didn't even look at us. They didn't say, hey, we're busy. We'll be right with you. And I, at one point I said to my girlfriend at the time, I was like, let's go, we're out. And she's like, what do you mean? We didn't even look at it. I was like, I'm not ever going to spend money with these people. They literally couldn't even look up and say, hey, <laughs> we're busy within two minutes. No problem. I'm good. And so customer service, right? And so at our practice, our team knows that, like, let's say we don't have someone working at the front desk, that if you know someone's coming in, the door opens, it's pause with the patient. Hey, John, we'll be right with you. Right. So for me, inspiration can come. And, and most of the time it comes from outside of, of my industry. I, I like learning from other people that are experts in, in you know, in, in other fields, so to speak. I think it's a great it's a it's it's better to, like, open up your, your uh, horizon, so to speak. You're very perceptive to just kind of like everything. I, I mean, I think that's a, I'm very much live in a world of trying to be an observer. Right. It's it's actually going into like politics. It's why I can speak about politics because I'm not in it. I just observe it. And so I have to be careful who I talk to because they'll be pissed. <laughs> but like I'm, I like try to live in a world of it being an observer. So of what's going on, like it's interesting to me that people get so fired up about politics. Like I'm not, I don't give, I don't care one way or the other. I'm fascinated by the fact that people do care. Yeah. But I observe that. So, yeah. so you would say you try to take like a bird's eye view. Yeah, always. Uh, and, and it's like, I think, I think being like a, a CEO of a company mm -hmm. or being a manager, I think you have to live in both worlds. And so I think the ones that are successful in small business are the ones that can see the 30,000 foot view, but then they can also step in the weeds if they have to. And you're sort of always sort of living in those two worlds where I find most people that are practitioners like of a thing is that they can't get out of that. Like, you know, in my world, it's like I treat patients and I go home. Right? No, that's all good. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the PT. Yeah, there's a PT upstairs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I hope they're not hurting someone. It sounds yeah, like yeah. we always think they're just throwing medicine balls. Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what they're doing. They must be doing that. 
Yeah. We're actually getting the roof fixed at our house. So um, same thing. <laughs> Bombs dropping. Yeah. But yeah, I think that idea of being able to live in both worlds, get into the weeds if you have to. Like I can go in with my marketing director and work on Google ads. Like I know how to do that. Mm -hmm. And then I can step back mm -hmm. and say, all right, what's the system? What's the process? What's going on in the world on a macro level? Damn. You want you want to hop into rapid fire? Yeah, I got one more question. Right, yeah, let's do it. So you do a lot of a lot of talking and podcasts yes. and a lot of content around yourself. How important are testimonials for you? It's the it's one thing for me to be able to say how great what we do is, mm -hmm. but coming from other people and if you study any sort of marketing or sales or persuasion, it's always going to be from an actual customer. And I'll tell you how important it is. When someone reaches out to me to do one of my coaching programs, I do two things with them before they can buy it. Mm -hmm. The first thing is I send them a few pieces of content to watch and go through. And the second thing I do is I connect them with someone that's done the program already. Uh -huh. because I can sell to them. But again, I want you to go talk to Tito, who, who he's not me. I don't pay him. He pays me, right? You talk to him. Let him tell you, right, rather than me tell them, right? And so, you know, one of the things for us, we have, I think, in our small little practice, over 100 Google reviews, right, okay. again. And when we, part of our script of sales on the phone is how did you find us? And if someone finds on Google, hey, what did you see? Well, I saw you have all these reviews, right? Because they're looking for other people. And what we always say in sort of storytelling is when you tell a story, you're looking to find yourself in someone else's story. Well, I saw John wrote this review. He had back pain. He had two kids. He likes to play golf. And he's like, that really resonated with me because that's me as well. Damn. I haven't even thought about having... Uh, the testimonials be more in depth about that too, because it'll resonate with more people. I think the thing with testimony, going back, if you talk about how important marketing is and going back to what problem your customers have, if you can understand that from a marketing perspective, you all you have to be is the perfect solution to your perfect customer. The thing I told you before the podcast is mm -hmm. if I was you guys and wanted to work with companies like me, small businesses, what is the one of the main pain points is that it is exhausting to have to set it up and do this and to call you and tell you what we need. And so if I was in your position today, what I would do is I would try to figure out how to get myself on retainer with as many companies as possible. And like, because every month, hey, we're, we're, we have two hours a month that we're filming content and producing this. Because someone like me, if you just made it, because again, what's my pain point? Is like, I don't have the bandwidth or the time. Like, I would probably do it, but to think about having to set it up and do this and do that, it's like, if it was just going to show up for me all the time, or it's like, hey, we have a thing coming up next week, here's what has to happen. And it's like, we're going to go do it, we're going to film, we're going to come in, because in my world, we have team meetings. So I was giving you an example. We have meetings all the time. It would be phenomenal content. But it would be, it's so painful for me to think of who's going to film, how they're going to film, who's going to edit it, what's going to happen, do I have to schedule with somebody? But like, I talk about documenting. And I always like, I'm jealous of Hormozy and, and Gary V because they just have someone following them in documents. <laughs> I don't, right? And on the back end of that, like we have so much content that's there that, that you don't see because it's who's going to edit it. Yeah. Yeah. And so like what's my small business owner, what's my pain point is that it's not actually, it's not even the cost of it. It's not the time of it. It's all the other bullshit that goes into it that I just don't do just because I don't have, I don't, it's not on my mind today. Yeah. But again, going back into, the, into like looking at who your customer is and what their actual problem is, right? What problems can you solve for people, so to speak? And that's, that's any sort of marketing that we've learned is just reverse engineer the real problem that someone's facing, so to speak. Professional problem solvers. You have to be always. That's what it is. You want to hop into rapping? Let's do it. You can start off. All right. You had to build a team of three people to start a business with. Anyone? Who are you picking? Uh, like ever? Ever. That's a tough one. That is a tough one. Three inspirations, three people you look up to, three people you want to work with. I mean, I think... Um, or maybe one person. Or one, or one person. Well, I would say the, the, the best thing for me that I've learned is that, like, stop thinking about things and just follow people that have done what you want to do, right? So something like Hormozy, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. it's like, all right, well, he's done what I want to do, so that's easy. My mentor, the guy's name is Paul Goff. It's like, all right, that guy, because I just mm -hmm. follow what he does anyway. And so there, there are two of, like, n let's not make this that difficult. People that have done what I want to do, just, mm -hmm. like, work with them. Yeah. I'm going to just switch it up. Switch what, it up. What's a... Uh, Favorite movie? I love Major League Two. Major League Two. Two. It's one of the only sequels that's better than the 
than the than the first one. That's You've a seen it, Joe? I've never seen it. Yeah. Seen so here, here's a pro. How old are you? 30. How one. old are you? 26. Yeah. So this is where I feel old, right? So I had a patient a couple years ago. I think he's about your age, 31, 32. And I, if you've seen Tommy Boy, yeah. I'm not. See, this is this is the shit right here. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm walking in with him, and like I talked, like I talked to you. I feel like we're like the same, right? Yeah. Same yeah. whatever. And I like. And I and I said something like, "Oh, that like a, a line from Tommy Boy, Chris Farley, movie, mm-hmm. classic." And he looked at me and he's just like nodded. I was like, "Don't tell me you've never seen Tommy Boy." He's like, "No." I was like, "Holy shit, man! I'm getting." That was like a very like I'm getting old moment. If you're 36 to like 50, like you've seen that movie a thousand times. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah, <laughs> one of those. Yeah, it's crazy. Like for me, I, I'm always like. Joe knows. Like, He's referencing movies all the time. My, I was always just like in front of a TV. Yeah. My parents would always have on some movie. TNT would be playing all yeah, the yeah, old yeah. movies all the time. Yeah. I just felt like at a young age, I was, I was like Tommy Boy, Major League. Like yeah. Angels in the Outfield. Yeah. I, I've <laughs> seen Angels in the Outfield. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Favorite fast food spot? I've only had it once, believe it or not, but like Five Guys is pretty good, right? Yeah. Five guys I've had Five good. Guys once too. Yeah. yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Any like dream destination to like whether it's like doing like a strive to move class or a presentation like or where to do it yeah mm-hmm. like is there any like dream dream um, place or dream situation i don't have a dream but i i think it's going to happen just because i'm starting to get interest there but like australia Ooh. which talk about the power of social media right i'm this little guy in new jersey and i've yeah. had like three or four australian chiropractors who found my stuff wow. And it's like, all right, so I'll probably be there at some point. It's kind of like I'll speak it in the mat. We'll, we'll, we'll rehash this in a few years when I'm actually there, but it'll happen. That'd be mm. sick. Favorite social, uh, person on social media right now? Favorite person on social media? Again, I, I guess Homozi is the guy I follow the most. Mm-hmm. Again, you'll see my social versus yeah. his. It's like the JV version. Like we're, <laughs> I just tell Kaylee, look at his stuff. Again, just we're, we're copying what, what works. He's got a lot more resources than I do. I'm mm-hmm. not making stuff up. Again, probably another important lesson. On our mastermind call yesterday, there was a guy in our community. He's been around for like five, six months. And this month is his best revenue month ever. Oh, damn. And I said, Toby, I said, what changed? And he said, I finally stopped trying to take your stuff and do it my own way. I just did what you told me to do. (laughs) And so I think this is a big point, right? Because a lot of us creators, whether it's ego, whether it's like, again, I'm not telling you just like, I'm not going to put his hat on in jean shorts. Like I'm not stealing his content. But the essence of it, how he does it, the, the, the flow of it. And I think as I progressed in business, like I, I take more things, again, legally and whatever, but I don't try to make it up. So I, as an example, I put a job ad out yesterday. That, it's like a long job ad. And if you read the ad, you're like, oh, that's pretty good. Well, I didn't create it. Someone <laughs> hired someone, created it, and I just made it mine. It took me an hour and a half. If I wrote that thing, I, no joke, it would have taken me until Christmas. But I think that that's, it's like almost as I've gone further into these things, you realize like, I'm not going to make this shit up. Like if my team, by the way, if my team comes to me with a marketing idea or something or a new idea and they've made it up, we ain't doing it. <laughs> like I want to see someone else do it first, yeah. you know? hundred percent. You can't reinvent the wheel. No. We always talk about this. I yeah. feel like it comes up on every podcast we've done. Nothing's really original. Never. Like you're always just taking something from somewhere. Always. Yeah. Any like favorite place you've traveled to? It was the, it was more so because of the moment of where we were. Um, my wife and I in like Sarasota, uh, that area, and it wasn't like I love that place, but it's not like paradise. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember we were walking, and she was pregnant at the time, and we're walking, and it was after a business trip for me. And one of the things in my business career that I always wanted to do is I wanted to be able to combine like business and tr- personal together because I knew my wife wanted to travel and I knew I wanted to work. And so how can I make it both work <laughs> just to go places to work and then be able to do a vacation? And I remember we were walking on the beach and I said to her, I was like, you know, I feel like I'm doing exactly what I always wanted to do. And so if it was, it's a cool moment to get to that place of like, this is like, this is exactly what I always wanted, right? We're doing the same thing in January in Fort Lauderdale of like, we're having our, our next event that you came to here. We're doing it in Fort Lauderdale. Oh, wow. So we're going to have the event and then we're going to be on vacation for a week. Mm-hmm. And so I think more so it's just the symbolism of this was always that goal. This was always the idea. And 
now it's here and it's coming true. Like my family will be there. My daughter will be there and I'll get to do what I love, which is helping people and coach and teach. And then we get to have a, a vacation after it. It's like, that was always the dream. And then that's, it's now coming to fruition. That's amazing. Cause like just fulfilling that, that prophecy and, and like being in that moment probably feels so great. Yeah. And, and, you know, going back to like leadership and all that, going back to hiring Lauren, um, when she started with me, it was me and her and we shared an office space with someone else. It was like this little shit operation. And I would always talk about what was going to happen. And she's like, yeah, but like it, we talk it into fruition and now they look and it's like, holy shit, we have people from Canada and Australia and like all over the country. They're coming to our events and they're like flying in to see us. They're coming to Bridgewater from all over the country to learn this stuff. It's like, man, this is like, he said it was going to happen. And you know what? He was right. It did. Yeah, that's good. I feel those like I do the, the same thing. Those are the best moments. Yeah. Just listening to you talk about it. Like, I feel like we have those moments sometimes. Like, we're like, oh shit, this is actually happening. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. You used to be in the back of the van just with all, the, I used to be with all the equipment back there. Yeah. And you really gotta enjoy the dirt too, honestly. If you if exactly. you're still you still gotta eat the dirt like oh, every yeah. So, yeah. All the time. Yeah. I mean we're not always like in like some big commercial shoes. We're in some shitty situations sometimes. <laughs> you know <Exactly. laughs> that that also another awesome point is like, can you just enjoy it while you're in it? Like you don't you're embarrassed by the office, you're embarrassed by the van and all of that, but it's like those are the stories that you're gonna tell once you've sort of made it. But can we just get there sooner? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like so going back to the video thing, like I'm afraid to be online. Yeah. Like if you do it for long enough and you get good at it, eventually you'll be like, Man, remember when I used to suck <laughs> and it's like drinking with the boys? It's like, well, just get there today. Like you suck. <laughs> ah shit, that sucked. Well, no one, it's like gonna be fine tomorrow exactly yeah i heard a quote yesterday and it was like people who enjoy the destination or who only look at the destination aren't going to enjoy the the walk there but people who just enjoy the traveling part of it yeah it's the it's just the destination is going to just be a product of enjoying the the walk and you you see it like i have a, a met student group they're in they're in school right now and they can't i know they don't believe me but like i told them um we had a month in the coaching business where we made like a ton of money, like a ton of money. And I was like, the n- I saw the money in the account and you know what happened the next day? Nothing. Again, everyone always say, well, yeah, but I'd really like to experience it myself. And I get it. I get it. But the next day, nothing changed. <laughs> My wife t- still told me I need to take the garbage out. Like, <laughs> it was, nothing changed, right? And so like, I'm not saying don't try to make cloud money and do all that, but it is true when you do it and you experience it and you get to the thing, it wasn't as good as the process to get there. They've even done studies with that from a sales perspective. It's why they actually tell you to plan vacations out in advance. Oh, damn. Because what they found was that the brain activity, the excitement, is actually more in the anticipation leading up to it than when you actually do it. Mm-hmm. Which is why people buy like new cars and houses and they get in and it's like, man. Eh. It was the idea and the excitement of the process of getting there than it was actually once you get the thing, it's like, what's next? Love it. I'm excited to see where you take this and I can only see like huge things coming your way. Honestly, appreciate it. No, you guys are doing great. Uh, where do you, where can uh, the viewers find out more about you? Uh, probably Instagram at Justin Rabinowitz would be the best place to, to start for the people on, on this pod. All right. And, awesome. uh, take us out on a quote, that camera, give us a quote. It's happening to you. Make it happen for you. Justin Rabinowitz, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you.